I'm in a series called The Basics, and what I've been trying to do here is take you from Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 1, 2, 3. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus, and for 40 days and 40 nights, basically, Jesus was on the earth. He made appearances to about 500 people, including all the disciples, but he was doing things strategically, not just to go show that, hey, I'm alive and I'm, res- I'm the resurrected Savior. He was setting a foundation for what I believe is where we are today as far as the the body of Christ, Christianity itself, and it captures it here in Acts chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. Just notice what it says. It says, the former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. So Jesus began something. He began to do something. He began to teach something during those 40 days, as well as prior to his ministry before the cross. Verse number 2, it said, until the day in which he was taken up, he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles which he had chosen. Verse 3, to whom he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, uh, being seen of them 40 days and 40 nights, speaking of, them, speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So what, what I bring to your attention is I believe there are four themes. Again, there's a lot in the book of Acts. If you've never read the book of Acts, I'd encourage you to do it. It's a powerful book. But I believe that Jesus was having some basic themes here. And it was all centered around Colossians 2.10. Colossians 2.10, if they'll put that up on the screen. Colossians 2.10. Notice what it says here, Colossians 2.10. It says this. It says, you are complete in Jesus who is the head of all principality and power. What's that mean, Pastor Brian? Well, that means simply this. That's a summary of the New Testament, if you allow me to say that, beyond the book of Acts. That, That you and I are complete in this life and the next all because of him. He fulfilled the Old Covenant. He fulfilled the Old Testament, the promise, and all that was there. And he became the head of all things, and even the demonic realm, it says, of all principality and power. And uh, he is the Lord of all. And you and I are complete. Our identity is in him. And I thought that to help you out, as we talked about last week in your knowing, growing relationship with the Lord, which is foundational to what we do here at Metroplex Family Church, we, we passed out a handout. And if you didn't get one, you can get us. You can get one after words or we'll get one to you. It's front and back. Basically, it's, it's what it's called in Jesus, and it begins in the book of Romans and goes all the way through the book of John. And again, we'll get you one here, especially if you contact us through metroplexfamilychurch.com. What is the purpose of this, Pastor Brown? Well, this sheet is simply to help you that is, there's a verse of scripture for every point, like it says at the, first, at the top of it, it says, in Jesus I reign in life, Romans 5, 17. And again, you just go through these every single day, because when you begin to understand your identification and understand your completeness in him. This changes your life's perspective. You are no longer submitting to the world in its ways. You're submitting to the kingdom of God. And notice what it says there. It says he is the head of all principality and power. You know, this coming weekend, for the sake of dating this message, will be the coronation of King Charles. And, uh, you know, that's a big deal. I was watching it last night as far as the preparation for it and all the ceremony of it. And that's, that's a big you know, situation there in the nation of England, and and I respect it and honor it just like I would, you know, with other any other capacity of something like that of authority. But Jesus is the supreme head; He is the supreme authority. And by the way, He's perfect. And what he did for you and I is the greatest thing anybody's ever done for you and I. And even though at MetroplexFamilyChurch.com we have a um, 
a Bible reading plan, and there are great Bible reading plans out there for you, especially beginning in the New Testament and going forward. Uh, I encourage you to do that. If you've never read the Bible, please do, or get the Bible on audio, whatever technology-wise that you can do that. But my point about is begin with this, because when you read every single day, if you take a verse a day, just one verse a day, and read that verse or read around it, I promise you, what is it going to do for you? It's going to go back to this right here, this foundation of basic principles that you are complete in him. Everybody say complete in him. Not complete in yourself, not complete in your own things, nothing wrong with your own identity, your own personal well-being, but being complete in him who's the head of all things. Isn't that awesome? Every problem in your life, every situation, every enemy, every good, bad, and ugly situation, he is the head over, he is Lord over, and I don't want to get to preaching here, but one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So all that means all your enemies, all your friends, and all your foes that oppose you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which they shouldn't. Uh, the, every, everything has to submit to this. So why not submit to it now? Because I promise you in the end, he will always win. And do yourself a favor and do us a favor because the better person you want to be in life all, all starts with your relationship with the Lord. And we, we'll talk more about that later. But I just wanted to bring that as foundational to you because I believe in the book of Acts beginning all the way from Acts into Romans all the way to the book of Revelation. I think there are four themes, especially in the book of Acts, that Number one, we can know God as Father. Jesus was promoting that. You remember the religious group at that time that opposed Jesus and had him crucified? They wanted had nothing for you or I to have a relationship with God. They wanted everything to come through them. They were controlling, manipulative, and power-hungry men. And uh, and Jesus opposed them on every front because he said, it's all about a relationship with the Lord, and it starts with me. Number two, he wanted us to be disciples. Yes, he chose the original 12. They are special. The only reason they are special is because they're the original 12. But you know what? You and I are disciples. We are followers. We are sons and daughters, just as much as they are. And yes, they're respected men, and and, and they're written about necessarily. You and I are not written, but we are written about in the essence of Jesus had us in his heart and mind as he was foundationally beginning this. Number three, there's a divine purpose for your life. You're going to hear more and more of this from me because it seems like society right now is trying to take you away from your identity identification as a person. They're trying to lure your way with this and that and bring confusion and questions. Let me tell you something. Your identity in the Lord, whether you're seven or 77, wherever you are in life, all comes back to there's a reason why you're here. There is a purpose to why you're here. And uh, I'm a biography person. I study people's biographies. And sometimes on the, the feeds that I get through social media, I see people's lives and their graves and whatever. And yes, I go to cemeteries and look at cemeteries because it's fascinating to you know see those things as far as you know looking at a life. And you're thinking, here's a person that lived. Unfortunately, some people only live a short period of time. What was their identity? What was their purpose? What did they accomplish? Because all they get is this life. And then after that is forever. It's eternal. And my point with all that is you have a reason for being here. And what you do matters. And when you do things eternally, I'm telling you what, that's better than doing things in the natural. 
Nothing wrong with what Jerry Jones does in the Dallas Cowboys, and I hope the very best for them as they go into this season. But let me say this. This is only temporary. A hundred years from now, it does not matter who was drafted this week. It does not matter what's going to happen as far as this football season. It's not going to matter about these things that we think are important. They're entertaining, and this is fun. And But let me tell you something. Eternal things are eternal things. Eternal things are the most important things. 25 years ago, Allison and her beautiful pink self was born into this world. And, um, you know, that's an eternal thing with Sheila and I, because she's not only our child, but we invest into her for the last 25 years, and we'll invest into her all of her life for her to fulfill the person that God has purposed for her to be. And as a dad standing in the back, watching 25 years later, she's standing in this very spot and worshiping the Lord. That to me is what it's all about. That's the divine reason that I'm her father is to help her find that divine purpose. Yes, is to give her money. Yes, is to give her security. Yes, is to give her the things that she needs naturally, but to point her by example. Everybody say example. Point her by example to a living, knowing relationship with God is the greatest thing that I could do for my child. It's the greatest thing you could do for any family member. It's the greatest thing you could do for any friend. It's the greatest thing you could do for any other human being is to show them that Jesus Christ is the the supreme authority. His life and his love and his light is worth studying and living for. And his plan for your life is far greater. Yes, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But we have a divine reason for being here. Satan and fights it with everything he can, but God has invested so much for you to live a life of fulfillment, not just a personal prosperity, but to reach people. As it said in the video earlier, in the testimony, I don't talk about money. I don't really talk about money as far as personal, uh, personal prosperity because I believe if you honor God, he'll honor you. Also, I believe if you work hard and diligent in practices of life, you will be successful. But let me tell you something of a real revelation to me concerning money. It has nothing to do with my message, but it's simply this. It takes money to preach the gospel. It takes money to cut these lights on. It takes money to do what I'm doing. The microphone I'm holding, the technology that we have, it takes money. And we're a good student of that money that comes into this church, and we want to be good planters to help others to do more for the gospel. That's what personal prosperity is about. That's why I want to see you prosperous, so that you are honoring God with your money. Because let me say this, 10% of your income is not a lot of money in the scope of millions of dollars, but when you put it all together, we can accomplish things. As a church family, just to look back to know that we planted a church in Lebanon. We planted a physical building church in Lebanon. And other things that we have done as a church. This Wednesday, I'm going back to Hughley where we were for 10 years. They've asked me to be a guest as far as the National Day of Prayer and some other events and to work with some other city leaders. And I'm honored that they asked me and contacted me this week as far as the hospital administration. But do you know one of the reasons that was funny at the end of the conversation? He said to me, he said, we must invite you back every year because you're the longest standing church we've ever had on the grounds of this hospital campus. And you were such a, and they said this, you are an honorable group to work with. Isn't that awesome? 
And you were positive to this hospital because we, we, we put thousands of dollars into the Hughley Mobile Bus. We put thousands of dollars into the fitness center itself from equipment to furniture and things that we wanted to see blessing them because they charged us 10 years uh, with no rent so that we could have the facilities we have today that are paid for. But most importantly, we represented the Lord Jesus Christ in expressing that every person has a divine reason to the precious Terry Foreman who's in the Lord in the heavens with the Lord now, who was the manager over the fitness center, who we honor today, who actually came to this building as we transitioned over. Thankful that we represented Jesus Christ and showed that God wants a relationship with people. He wants to be wants us to follow him. He wants us to multiply his ministry. And most important, we do it as the family of God. For all those years, which was 10 years over there, we kept promoting the word family, and we've not backed down from it since. It will not, because we are the family of God. But not only are we the family of God but here on the earth, but we are God's family there. And for every person that you have, family members, and those who have left our church this past year that should be here but are there now, they're still our family. They're still the body of Christ. They're just in another location. And so we celebrate them because one day we'll all be together. And I know, as I said a while ago, that I go to cemeteries. Well, I'm not looking for a hole in the ground at 100 years old. I'm looking for a hole in the sky. I want to be that generation that brings him back. I really do with all my heart. I do. I want to bring him back on that horse or a Toyota Camry or whatever he wants to come back on. <laughs> whatever he chooses. I was just kidding. But seriously, whatever he chooses to do as far as splitting those skies, I want us to be that. I want us to be that generation. And that's my heart and my cry and my, and my actual desire. But where are we as far as the most important thing we can do as far as our relationship with the Lord, our prayer life, our communion with God? I want to share with you some things, and this is the purpose of this message as we move on is to develop a daily prayer life. Listen, it is so important that you not only have a knowing relationship with the Lord, but a growing. Everybody say growing. And it comes from these little areas. These are just tips of mine. First of all, John 14, 6 says that Jesus is our mediator to the Father. So you're not coming through the church. You're not coming through a person. You're not coming through a man or a woman. You're going to Jesus himself. Look at what it says in John 14, 6. John 14, 6. What does it say there? Or I'll read it to you. Hold on. John 14, 6, and we'll get to these points. Jesus Jesus said it best when he said in John 14, 6, says, hold on, I've got it here too. Uh, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through who? Through him, through me. He said me. That's the only way you get to the Lord. As much as I respect the Catholic Church, they're wrong. The Father, the Pope, I'm not going to call another man Father other than Harold W. Jacobs, they're wrong about the fact that there's a mediator between the Pope and Mary and all this other stuff they believe. They're a beautiful group of people. But when it comes to this, Jesus said it clearly, not me. Don't believe me, believe the word of the Lord. It says in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father. But when you're a believer, you come to the Father in Jesus' name. Notice the next point. Jesus, is, he never told his disciples to pray to him. Never told them. Never can read that. Why? Because he was setting himself up to be the mediator. We're to pray to the Father in Jesus' name. As it says in John 16, notice what it says in John 16, 23 through 24. Again, these are Jesus' words, not mine. He says, in that day, and guess what? I think he's talking about today. 
He said, in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you that whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, watch that phrase, I will give it to you. So as you're in this foundation of building a prayer life and a communion with God, a connection with God that should be stronger and stronger and stronger regardless of life's pressure, what are you doing? You're asking in the name of Jesus. And we're going to get to building some prayer points here in just a second, but I'm laying this foundation of these basics. The next thing is, and most probably most importantly, well, verse 24, hold on, verse 24. It says, until that day you've asked nothing in my name. Ask that you will receive that your joy may be full. Watch that phrase. Ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. There's a lot of believers that are not asking. They're, they're simply not taking the time. And I'm not talking about three hours of prayer. I'm talking about 15, 20, whatever you can pray. But notice that phrase that your joy may, there's a joy in praying. But maybe you're not praying effectively. Maybe you're praying with, with not the power. Well, I'm going to show, we're going to get to that. As a matter of fact, the next one here says, base all your prayers on God's covenant promises. Over in Hebrews, Hebrews 4.12. Notice what it says. Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. Thank you. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Notice what it says there. Let's just read it together. The word of God is living and powerful. And so when you incorporate the word of God into your prayer life, and I'm going to show you how to do that in just a second. Let me tell you something. You're, you're foundationally with this kind of basic right here. You're getting into a place of power. As a matter of fact, it says in the next verse or next point here, it says, faith begins where the will of God is known. Second Peter chapter one, verse four, second Peter chapter one, verse four. Watch this as we go through these points. Second Peter chapter one, verse four, second Peter chapter one, verse four. There you go. Uh, uh, by which, well, I think we're missing a verse there. Well, by which has been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through us. Notice the first part of that verse. It says, you've been given exceedingly great and precious promises. And what are those? There's nearly 6,000 of these listed in the Bible. When you begin a, when a foundation of prayer, and we're going to get to a prayer list or a prayer, a prayer outline here in just a second. When you foundationally build your life on this scriptural foundation I'm talking about, you're you're getting to a place of power. If you really want to see effective prayer, it's not the length of time. It's not and nothing wrong with time itself, and it's good to you spend time. But I'm saying it's the quality and way you do it. And, and let me tell you this. When you're praying the Word of God, you're praying the will of God. Let me say that again. When you're praying the Word of God, you're praying the will of God. How many times have we asked, is it God's will to do this or is it God's will to do that? When you're basing your prayer and your communication with Him with thanksgiving, you're praying the will of God. And when you do that, I promise you there's power. My next point was talking about many people are praying based on emotions and not on God's Word. That is so true. I've heard peace, I've heard ministers and friends of mine, this precious minister, I'm with him every month, and he prays, and he's a precious man of God. I love him dearly in the Lord, but he prays so emotionally. He actually gets to a point where he's griping and complaining to God, and every time I hear him pray, and it's like, he's like fussing at God. You don't need to fuss at him. You just need to quote his word back to him with thanksgiving, because look what it says. When you get, your, when you get God's promises fixed in your mind and your mouth, it's a weapon, Jesus said it's a weapon. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to this time-wise, but I'm going to sure try. It says, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And this is what happened with Jesus. Look at verse 2 quickly. 
But it says, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry and ready to go to Whataburger. Verse number three. And when the tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. What's Satan what's doing? He's coming after his flesh, right? He was hungry. Verse number four. And when he answered him, watch this. This is Jesus now. This is not Pastor Brian. He says, what's those three words? It is what? written. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So what's Jesus saying? He is saying this covenant book that's in your lap or on your phone or your tablet is the power between me and you and God. Notice verse five. Check this out. And the devil took him into the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, verse six. And look what, look what happens here. And Satan said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. Look at this. This is Satan quoting scripture. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, lest they, lest you, dare, lest you, lest, in, excuse me, he will give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Verse number seven. Watch what Jesus replies here. And Jesus says, What's those three words again? And he, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Check it out in the next verse, verse number eight. It says, and the devil took him up again on an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. Look what verse nine says. And he said to him, all these things I'll give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Because Satan at that time was the God of this world with a little G. But look what Jesus did in verse 10. <laughs> then what did Jesus said? Away with you, Satan. What? What's those words again? It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. What are you saying, Pastor Brian? I'm telling you something. That Bible is a Bible of power. That is a covenant book that you have in your hands. And men and women gave a precious price to have that. We are a blessed generation to have the versions we have. I'm not talking about Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons. I'm talking about our versions here. I'm talking about we are a blessed generation to have this power in our hands. And when you base your prayer life, let me tell you something. You're getting to a basic foundation that is powerful. And when you do this for the amount of time you do it specifically, you're positioning your place to positioning your life to receive from God. And you're telling the devil where to go with all his temptation, with all his accusation, with all his harassment, because he's a 24 hour devil, seven days a week. He's wanting a place in your life. He attacks you. Notice what would Jesus at your, what your weakness, but what did Jesus do? He said, it's written. You may not know everything about the book of the, as far as the Bible and all theology and eschatology and all those things. You don't need to. You just keep learning and growing. But to those three words, it is written. Let me tell you something. That's enough for you to say to give the devil absolutely a panic attack. We talk about anxiety. We talk about all fear and worry. It's time to get the devil fear and worried and in anxiety because guess what? The clock is working against him because every day we get closer to the return of Jesus means his what? His destruction his damnation. He is going to burn forever and ever for all those who serve him, and we're not. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. <laughs> the last point is you need to learn how to ask God specifically. Everybody say specifically. About your situations. Talk to him. If you're looking for a new vehicle, just don't say, God, give me a car. Ask him specifically. If you're wanting something specifically, especially in the area of healing for your body, don't still say, Lord, please heal my body. That's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but ask specifically. Uh, and again, I tell people that are not married, if you want a spouse, ask God specifically for what you want. Don't just throw it out there in generalities. Oh, just send me, just send me, just send me any old man. Well, he'll send you any old man or he'll send you any old woman. No, no, you won't specifically. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7. 
Are you getting something out of this? I sure am. <laughs> I'm bearing my life in transparency. These are not just points of uh, encouragement. This is where I live. Matthew 7, this is good because Jesus said this, not Pastor Brian. He said, ask and it will be given to you. But if you're not asking, what? You're not going to have. He says, seek and you'll what? Isn't that awesome? So are you seeking? Are you asking? Look what Jesus said. Do some knocking. Knock on that situation. He said, ask, seek. Or do you, he said, Pastor Brian, I don't know what the wisdom of God is. Seek, ask, inquire. He says it'll be open unto you. And I think that's the most important thing about prayer is develop a prayer list, develop an outline, develop a way, a methodology. And finally, let me close with this. Let's turn to the book of Matthew, the Lord's Prayer. I believe the, the, the Lord's Prayer back in the 80s became a revelation to me as far as prayer outlines. And let me just say this, I'm telling I am so thankful for it. Uh, and I, if you'll just show all the points at the same time, I think that'll help. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Let's go to the, the Lord's Prayer first. Matthew 6, and when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Uh, surely I say to you, they have their reward. Verse number 6. But when you pray, go into your room or go into that private area, shut the door or close, close everything out, pray to your Father who's in this secret place, watch this, and your Father who's in the secret place will what will reward you. Notice that phrase there, verse number seven. Here we go. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions and don't complain and don't gripe. But what's it saying as the people that don't know the Lord? For they think they'll be heard for their many words. No, look what it says at verse eight. I like this. It says, therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Verse number 9, and this is where it goes into it. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father which art in heaven. Let's all say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Now, if you put up those seven points for me, let me show. This is how I pray every day. This is the outline that I have as far as these prayer points. First of all, our Father which art in heaven, that's paternal. What does that mean? That's our paternal relationship with the Lord. He's our parent. Number two, hallowed be your name. Do you all have that prayer outline? you all have those points? because I want them to see all seven. So this, the, the second point is personable, being personable. Hallowed be your name. There we go. I don't know if you can quite see it, but you can, you can, you can get with me later, whatever. It says the first one is paternal, our Father in heaven. Notice what that means. Our Father, it's a relationship we have with our Lord. We're not saying, hey God, our Father which art in heaven, paternal. Number two is personable. What's that mean? Hallowed be your name. What's the most beautiful thing you can say to another person? Their name. Their name, their name, their name, their name. You call their name out. Not, hey, you, it's your name. Okay, I'm Brian, Brian Jacobs. That's my name, personable. You call the name of the Lord, Jesus. You call the name of the Lord, the Father. Anyway, number three, priorities. What's that mean? There's priorities. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a good question to ask yourself. What's on earth should be what's going on in heaven, right? If, is there is any, any sickness and disease in heaven? No. Is there, pre, is there pressure and anxiety and worry? No. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you're praying these priorities over your life, your family, your job situation, all this you're responsible for. Number four, provision. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice that phrase, daily bread. That means praying specifically for today, right? 
We, we pray for today's provision. Number the next one, number uh, five, pardon us. Oh, this is important. Forgive us of our debts, not just financially, but forgive others as we forgive ourselves. This is so important. You can't be in a place of prayer and power if you're holding things against other people. You need to let it go. The next one is simply this, which is so important, power. Do not lead us into temptation. This is what Jesus said, but deliver us. And this, is, this was before he went to the cross. We are delivered. We thank you that even though we may go through temptation, we're not going to yield to that temptation from the evil one. And then finally, what do you end it with? Praise for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. So there's seven, there's seven P's there. And I'm Southern Baptist all the way. Aren't you proud of me? Paternal, personable, priorities, provision, pardon, power, and praise. Now, seriously, you do those things so you remember. But this is what I pray every single day. been praying this from year, for years now, outlining this, and it expands and it grows and I'm adjusting things constantly, but it's a method or an outline to pray. Here